All right, good morning. <clears throat> so this is Youth Sunday, um, and that was an amazing performance. Uh, and it's, it's always encouraging to see young people um, give their time uh, and to get on a stage in front of adults, uh, which isn't an easy thing to do, uh, but to stand up here and, and worship our Father in Heaven. Um, and that's really what Youth Sunday is about, is about, you know, celebrating our youth, um, kind of letting them display some talents that they have. Um, but just about every other Youth Sunday that I've that we've done here, I've always thought that it was it was important to also celebrate um, the church and the investment that they give to our youth, um, to celebrate the hard work that goes into, um, you know, nursery and Sunday school, uh, Awana and Puggles. Uh, that work can be tiring at times. Um, that work can be exhausting. Sometimes it feels like you're just spinning your wheels. Uh, maybe you feel like you're not reaching them. Maybe you feel like uh, it's maybe not worth your time on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights. Um, but what you saw up here this morning uh, is the result of that hard work. Um, and, you know, it encourages my heart to, to see young people raising their hand, singing praises to our Father. It encouraged me this week to see, um, you know, when Travis and I talked about, you know, what do we want to do for, you know, how do we want to invest? You know, we, we, we talked to each other and I talked to Zach and, you know, we try to think, you know, what, what is it we want to do? What, how do we want to invest in these young people? And we decided last spring before COVID kind of hit us and uh, changed our plans up a little bit, but we thought, you know, Sunday morning should be about in Sunday school, what we do is about really teaching kids how to get into God's word and to figure out, you know, what, what, is, what do these verses really tell me? You know, we, we've, they've done um, Bible stories, and we're going to hear a pretty familiar Bible story this morning, but we want to invest in them. And we, we wouldn't be able to do that without the support of the church. You know, this morning when I came in, I told Zach, I said, are you ready for a pretty wild youth Sunday? So, because I do not know what's going to happen, and he was like, "Man, I am excited. It's about hope. It's about energy." Um, and I didn't want Youth Sunday to be about me standing up here talking to you because I, I'm gray in the beard. I'm not youth anymore. Um, Travis is bald, but you've been bald since about 22, really. So you were bald when you were a youth. But, but we wanted to. Sorry, I did. I didn't even throw you under the bus. I love you, Travis, and I don't know why I did that to you, but. Um, but we wanted the youth to be up here, um, and they're going to talk to you about some youth um, and some things that these youth went through uh, in the book of Daniel. So a little backstory, um, Nebuchadnezzar began to deport um, Israelites from Judea to Babylonia, and he sent his chief official to go and look. Um, for some young men to bring back uh, to Babylon. And he didn't just want any young men. He wanted men with great physical traits and great mental traits. And, you know, when I read that, I thought, you know, that's what the world wants from us too. 
The world wants our best and our brightest um, to change them, uh, to tempt them, to get them to believe things that, um, that we don't believe. But they, they, don't, they want our best and our brightest. And these, these, these men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, you know, they were faithful to God, and they served him in Judea. And these were young men. These weren't, these weren't uh, 20-year-olds. These were teenagers that were removed from their home and sent to a foreign land somewhere. So I, I can't help but think, what if these young men weren't grounded in the Scriptures? You know, what if these young men didn't have uh, a Miss Edith in Sunday school uh, teaching them uh, about Bible stories? What if they didn't have... You know, Miss Holly uh, Cantrell, who puts in a lot of time teaching our young men and women about the things of the Bible. You know, what if what if they didn't have people like, you know, Buck Ray? And I always think about one thing that Buck Ray said. He, he, they had these um, guys who come to TNT, and he said, you know, I think they just come for the snacks, but I'm just glad they're here. And that's true, you know. The, the kids pick up a lot more than we think they do. And so what if, what if those young men weren't around to have Buckray's snacks and learning about Bible verses? You know, what, where would they be in this book of Daniel? And we know a lot of stories about Daniel. And, and you may know Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, but that's names that they were given to them by the world, by, by a place they didn't belong in. <clears throat> you know, in today's Youth Sunday, because... Community Heights knows the importance of youth, and I appreciate that from our leadership, our pastor leadership, who um, talks to us about youth, gets excited about youth things, um, supports the things that the youth does, uh, both with time and energy, but also with financial support. You know, and and I'm I'm personally grateful because my kids go to church here too. Um, when my wife and I had Grace. Uh, Back in 2001, um, we, she had a, we were attending a church that she had attended her whole life probably with a group of people that she had been around her whole life, her and her mom. But we knew that we needed to be at a place where um, youth was important because that's the next generation of this church. You know, we're all getting a little older, um, and it's these young ladies and these young men that you're about to see come up here and speak to you, they're going to be the leaders of this church one day. Um, and so I think it's important um, that we treat that with the respect that I think that God would have us to do it. You know, uh, so Grace came here and she started in Puggles. Uh, and today, you know, she was on this stage raising her hand to heaven, you know, praising God. And that's because of the hard work that a lot of you have put into um, my daughter. And, you know, some of it happens at home, but we wouldn't have been able to do it on our own. <clears throat> and I think about, you know, she started learning the importance of God's Word at an early age. Uh, we had a uh, white refrigerator, which um, she loved to color on with crayons when she was younger. And so we told her, no, you can't do that. Uh, and for those of you in Puggles, um, in Puggles they teach them uh, the 23rd Psalm with little hand motions. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And uh, we caught Grace coloring on the refrigerator with crayons again. 
and for like the, maybe the third or fourth time, and I said, Grace, you know you cannot do that. And she looked at me, and she said, the Lord is my shepherd, which diffused the whole situation. So she knew when she was in trouble, she went straight to the Lord, which got her out of trouble. So it, it worked. You know, and the other, the other reason that I think that youth is important in church is not because of what adults invest um, into the children and God's word and what God's words mean, what God's word should mean to them, but it gives them a group of friends to be with too. Um, there's there's something amazing about watching them lift each other up. Um, there's something amazing about when one of them is in trouble, um, they seek each each other out and. They also um, give each other advice. And I'm sure it's not always um, peaches and cream for them, and I'm sure there's troubles that they have between each other. But I've never been around another youth group that has less drama than this one. And I, in true, I haven't been around a ton of youth groups, but you know, Travis and I never have to referee um, these young people. And it's, and it's because they love each other, I think. And it's because... We've taught them that they're going to need the support of each other when they leave here. Uh, and when they do leave here, and when they end up in a place like Babylon, I just pray that the time that you've invested, the time that they have spent together, will pay off dividends like we see in Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So without further ado, we're going to find out... Um, what these young people think about this story, about this um, passage from Daniel. So we're going to be looking at Daniel 1, verses um, 8 to the end of Daniel 1. And what we did, we, we divided this passage up into several sections, and we asked for volunteers. And we said, all right, okay, who, who would want to stand up and speak to a bunch of adults on Sunday morning? And wildly enough, some of them raised their hands. So... Um, Grace and Aubrey Compton and Maggie Quesenberry are going to come and kind of share the first part of Daniel with us, and then we're going to have Caleb and Micah come up, uh, and then we'll end with, actually, no, are you, th- are you last, Josh? Are you second? Oh, Travis is last. And then we'll have Josh, Blake, and Kyle come up and give us the third part of Daniel, and Travis is going to finish us up. So, uh, all right, ladies, it's up to you now. All right. Hello. Um, I'm Grace, and this is Aubrey and Maggie, and we're going to be go- going over verse 8. So, if Aubrey, you'll read that for me. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Now, Maggie, would you read the definition of resolve? Resolve means decide firmly on a course of action. Yes. So in there, Daniel resolved that he wasn't going to defile himself. Um, This kind of shows me that though their names were changed, but their spirits weren't. You know, he was definitely, I would say, pressured into eating the king's food. Everyone else around him was, and he was in front of all these higher-ups. You know, he didn't know what was going to happen when he asked to not defile himself that way. 
but um, he was trusting in God. And instead of choosing man's way, he chose God's way. Um, And we can learn a lot from that. Um, When we're out and about and we're pressured into fitting in and doing what the world says is right, we have to choose to not stand with them and to stand with God. Um, Being pressured is nothing new to us. I'm sure we all feel it on a daily basis. Um, And I'm thankful that at youth, I don't really feel pressured. You know, I'm, I'm with a bunch of people who I feel comfortable with and who support me. And that's because of you guys. So I just want to say thank you. Um, so whenever you feel like you're being pressured, God is always listening. He always has an open ear to whatever you need. So if you think, I don't know if I have enough strength to do this, you can always ask God. Because he's always listening. And that's something that's pretty special to me about God. But um, that's all we have. So whoever's next can come on up. I'm Caleb, and this is Malachi, and we're going to talk about verse 9 and 10, so go ahead and read that for us. This is Daniel chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Now God has established faith and faithful loyalty between Daniel and the chief official. But the chief official said to God, I am afraid of my master, the king who has mandated what you are to eat and drink. What will happen if he says, or if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other men in your group? The king will have my head because of you. Um, so I'm just going to talk about the faith shown in that verse, um, in verses 9 and 10. Um, I was just, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, Daniel was about my age and I'm 16 when he got taken from his homeland to Babylon by probably the fiercest king at the time, King Nebuchadnezzar. And just to think that he was taken out of his homeland at 16 and brought to Babylon and to go have the faith, to step out in faith, to go against what everybody else was doing, what everybody else was eating and drinking, and not knowing what could happen, not knowing if King Nebuchadnezzar would kill him or um, persecute him or what would happen, and he just stepped out in faith. And when people step out in faith, other people around them are affected. And in this case, who was affected was the chief official. So when Daniel stepped out in faith, the chief official was affected, um, and that's just something to think about. So when he stepped out, he was affected. So what can you do um, in your community or at work or at school to step out in faith and change somebody? So I'll close with this. I don't know what stepping out in faith looks like for you, but you do. And you could impact somebody's life this week by stepping out in faith. That's all I have to say. This is Blake and Kyle. Today we are going to be reading Daniel 11 through 16. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had assigned to them, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food. And deal your servants with And deal your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they were drinking. 
and gave them vegetables. Why is it important to be different places? Well, because, you see, God gave us the gift of the world to create and prosper with him. But, like the king, he wanted to do it by himself with no one. So he created food for the others to eat for themselves. But Daniel and his friends decided to eat the food by God. And so it changed the result, showing that God creates the change in others and the change in you. Did you ever want to do something kind for someone because they were kind to you, Kyle? Yes, people would give, my friends would give me tons of gifts, and I wanted to give some gifts back to them because they were so kind to me. Why is it important to follow God in faith? Good things come to those who follow and love Christ. You could also spread the word and make disciples. And that's all we have. How cool is it that these young people have given their time and their thoughts to God and his word this week? Great job from these young people, and if that don't bless you, then your blesser is broken. But we, we've seen that these four young men were resolved. They were faithful, so now we're going to see what comes of it. Well, we see, starting in verse 17, that it paid off in some big ways. And I think there are some concepts here that if we look at it, we can get an idea of how God brings results in our lives if we're faithful to him. Verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So the first result we see is God rewards us internally by showing us our potential. Right off the bat, before anyone else sees the reward of their faithfulness, God rewards these guys with heightened wisdom and understanding. And Daniel specifically has an ability for interpreting dreams. Sometimes we choose our paths because they're easy. I'm not saying that you need to go out looking for obstacles in your life, but the right path, the best path, isn't always going to be the path of least resistance. We can look at this and we say, you know, would it have really been all that bad for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to just eat whatever they were given? Because it's easy to look at our own lives and say, well, I know what I ought to do. In this situation, but God will forgive me if I don't, right? Sure, God's gracious, but God would rather you do what you ought to do so you can have peace in your life and so you can fulfill your potential. So the immediate reward for their faithfulness is internal, okay? In your life, that may look like I read my Bible. And a coworker has a bad day and takes it out on me, then scripture comes to my mind and I can bear it because I know that God is with me. So there's the internal aspect of obeying God. But then we look at verses 18 through 20 and we see there's an external portion to be had as well. Here's what it says 
at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal. Let's pause. Does it say none better? No. Nobody even matched up to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all of the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So we look at this, and not only does obedience, does their obedience result in internal growth, but there's also the second area of reward where God rewards us with external influence. So let's say the internal part is I read my Bible, I have comfort when I need it, I have guidance when I need it. Well, God works internally in you so that he can work externally through you. In the case of Daniel and his friends, that looks like they followed this diet plan that God was impressing on their hearts, and that resulted in the internal change where they have an increase in wisdom, but also an external difference. Over here, you have these guys who are eating the best the king's table has to offer. But physically and mentally, they are not on point like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So the purpose of the internal change was so others could see the difference that God makes. We see this in the New Testament too. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Peter responds to some folks who are trying to get him to disobey his calling in Jesus like this. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. A few years ago, Rick Warren actually wrote a book based on this section of Daniel, and it's called The Daniel Plan. Makes sense, yeah? But it's a 40-day diet plan based off of what Daniel and his friends did here in Daniel chapter 1. So I say that to tell you this. When it comes to obeying God, it is do or die. It. Do you ever question why you do the things you do? Like, like what is the value? I think it's good to evaluate sometimes. So you cut off a finger. Would you rather ride a horse or a car to the hospital? If you're thinking the horse, then you probably need to reevaluate. But the fact that we have the option of taking a car to the hospital speaks to the importance of innovation. Someone said, are horses really the best way to get from point A to point B. You don't innovate and you don't improve if you don't ask questions like, is this the best thing? So in questioning, you know, why, I've come to believe there are two really important things that youth guys like Jason and myself get to facilitate. Number one, we get to help with grounding young people in God's word. And I cannot think of a greater privilege than getting to share God's word with other people. 
How many of you, show of hands, used to be younger than you are now? Almost everybody, a few of you were always this age. Fine. All right, most of us have similar tastes to what we had when we were teenagers. I watch mostly the same kinds of TV shows, the same kinds of movies that I watched when I was 13 or 14 years old. Most of us listen to the same music, or at least similar music, to what you were listening to when, they, when you were the age of these young folks who sang to and spoke to you today. That's why so many of them know the lyrics to so many Bon Jovi and Journey songs, because their parents are still listening to what they were listening to in 1987. You know what else is accurate for our teenage years? 90% of those who become Christians get saved by the time they are 14 years old. Now that other 10%, they're worth their efforts, and I've heard some great stories of how God showed up in their lives to turn their hearts towards him. But that is a heavy stat, isn't it? 90%. Our formative years, they definitely matter. But then number two, we get to help these young people learn to lean on other Christians. Do you even know how cool it is to see these young people pray together, to, to discuss the Bible together, just be together and support each other. Actually, a very important life skill. Some of you worry that if you talk to anyone about your problems, you're a bother or you're a complainer. Listen, it's okay to allow people to know that you struggle. I think. I haven't mastered it. But this week, I had a couple of, of really rough days at work, and in the middle of one, a friend just out of the blue sent me a text, just thinking about you, just wanting you to know that I'm praying for you. Hadn't said anything to anybody outside of my house, and there have been multiple times in my life when, when I've been down, when I've been struggling, and I get a call or a text or just cross paths with someone who offered me an encouraging word when I needed it the most. And in moments like that, I just look up to heaven and say, so you told on me, huh? But I'm sure glad God did. And, and if I had the basic life skill to say, I'm having a hard time, do you care about me, would you pray for me, I need somebody to lean on, then God wouldn't have to tell on me, right? I know we like to think that we're strong and we're capable, and you do have strengths and capabilities, but it's okay to admit that certain areas and certain times are beyond our strengths and capabilities. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed to admit to needing others. But also, on the flippity-flip, sometimes you're going to have someone on your mind, and you're going to wonder if they are doing okay. Pray for them. Reach out to them. Encourage them. Try to be that encouragement that someone needs. Daniel had three friends who were going through what he was going through, and they were stronger as a unit 
than they could have ever been on their own. Last week, Zach mentioned Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So the question is, what does good mean? A good day for the hunter is not a good day for the deer, right? So good is relative. I can claim this verse and say, well, it would be good if I had a billion dollars. Not in this case. See, God don't deal in ambiguous. Romans 8.29 tells us what good means. Here we go. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So the good that God promised to work in your life is to make you more like Jesus. Would you be a billionaire who gives generously, speaks wisely, and loves sacrificially? If so, then maybe good is money for you. But the bottom line is, God has a calling and a purpose for you. So this promise that God is working all things together for good is about you becoming more like Jesus and fulfilling God's calling on your life. I find it interesting, you know, the Bible tells us about a whole lot of births. You know, you have Jesus, you have Isaac, Jacob, and all 13 of his children. We get that great story about Moses rolling, rolling, rolling on a river in a basket in Egypt. But when we meet Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're young people. And there's verse 21 that finishes off Daniel chapter 1. It says, and Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So as we go through this series in the story of Daniel, we're going to follow Daniel until he is an old man. But we meet him and the others right here in their formative years. And I applaud these young men and women that you've seen have the courage to stand up here and sing God's praises and to share what God has impressed on their hearts with you today. Because they're doing just what Daniel and his friends modeled thousands of years ago. And so I have a question for each of you. What can you do to follow this example? Is God, or, or what direction is God leading you in today? Is there an area of your life where God is calling you to faithfulness? If you follow that lead that God has in your life, he will bless you internally by showing you grace, peace, and purpose. And he'll bless you externally by using you to be a blessing to others. So as, as you leave here this week, I want you to take that with you. you know, what direction, what is God impressing on me today? What direction does God have me headed into once I head out these doors? Why don't you go ahead, pray for that, and then raise that white flag in surrender to him? All right, let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together today. God, it was such a blessing seeing these young people get up here and sing and, and speak of how wonderful you are and the difference that you can make. I just ask you to please, if there's anybody here today who, um, who needs to know your will for their life, just help them to seek that out and, and not only to seek it out, but to follow the direction that you'd have for their life. Um, just uh, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, help them to come to know you as their Savior. And uh, just bless these young people. Help them always to, to live uh, as if you're present in their life. Just help them to always remember what you do for them and help them to always live in a way that blesses them internally and blesses others externally. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.